Hi there. Welcome to Semester 6, Episode 6 of the Ivy Wise Just Admit It podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into the complex college admissions landscape. On this season of Just Admit It, we're breaking down the college admissions rubric and highlighting some popular colleges. I'm Tasha, your host for this season. I'm an admissions counselor at Ivy Wise, a former international admission officer at USC, and former assistant director of international admissions at Boston University. Today, I have two guests with me. Christine, she's an Ivy Wise premier counselor and former assistant director of admissions at Yale University and at Georgetown University. Hi, Tasha. Thanks for having me today. My name is Christine. Um, I am an Ivy Wise premier college counselor. I also attended Yale University, Yale College, class of 2001. I was uh, in uh, Calhoun College. Uh, it is no longer a Yale College. Uh, uh, Grace Opper is the new college name um, for what was um, Calhoun College. Thanks for being on the show, Christine. Our second guest is Scott. He's a premier counselor and a former assistant director of admissions at Yale University as well. Hi, my name is Scott Clark. I am a premier admissions counselor at Ivy Wise. I graduated Yale College in 2002. My residential college, for those who care about that, was Berkeley College. All right, so we're going to go ahead and hop in um, with our two guests today with, with a really simple question to start learning a bit more about Yale. Can one of you describe the typical Yale student, if a typical student exists? Sure, I can take that on as best I can. I do think that Yale students are really incredibly diverse. And so I guess that makes it tough to describe sort of the quote unquote typical Yale student. But I do think that, you know, some things in common that they have are one, you know, valuing that diversity uh, that they find themselves with. And so using that to shape their thoughts and help them understand the world. And I would say just really insightful is something that, that at least for me stands out. You know, there's just so much information that, that we all have uh, access to these days. But when I think of Yale students, I think of people who kind of lean into the difficult questions that that information poses. They seek meaningful answers. And, you know, they're really, really thoughtful about their role in, in making change and having an impact on the world. Yeah, I totally agree. I think of other characteristics like um, just curious. I know that sounds kind of cliche in a way, but it's true. The students um, want to go deeper in things that they're currently interested, but also um, curious and courageous to learn something new, to explore that. And I think the way that Yale um, courses are set up and the way um you know just the the yeah the course in the curriculum setup allows students to do that to try something different and i wish it as a student i'd done more of that uh, looking back and i think those who are curious and want to try different things both inside of the classroom and outside will really get the most i think um out of their experience so i think that's really another you know um top characteristic i think of a yale student something else that comes to mind is just um being um, others oriented. I remember even just tours that I did as a, a prospective student and tours I did as a tour guy, just highlighting um, just the history of public service, um, Dwight Hall being a stop that we often did. And that's Yale Center for um, uh, Social Justice and that just the tradition um, at the university. And I think um, for students who are service oriented, uh, they will find a home where there's just a lot of opportunity and other like-minded student to 
um, to do things with and to make a difference. So I think that's another characteristic I would highlight as well. Yeah, if I can just, you know, sort of uh, piggyback off of what Christine just said, um, it, that commitment to service, you know, that really is important uh, when Yale is admitting students, but you do find, you know, I forget the exact uh, statistic, but it's upwards of 40% of Yale grads are somehow involved with nonprofit and social justice work when they finish their time at Yale, whether that's serving on a board, you know, working in that type of organization. And I think that just speaks to, you know, the ethos that Yale tries to inculcate uh, into its students. And so, you know, it, it does go beyond sort of talk and tick box that Yale is, you know, having you use your education towards the public good, that most people really do graduate Yale with that as a value. Absolutely. And you do a lot of that work too yourself, Scott. So <laughs> certainly product of your yeah. education, I'm sure. There you go. That's definitely a part of it. Great. So we have a bit of a sense now of, you know, what a Yale student and maybe a Yale alum uh, might be like and some common characteristics. But what about Yale itself? Just taking kind of a, a zoomed out bird's eye view of some basic nuts and bolts about Yale. Can you describe that for me, Christine? Sure. So Yale, um, I think um, it is a university, um, but really kind of the heart of the university is the um, the undergraduate uh, community, Yale College. So we have about um, 6,500, 6,600 undergraduates, uh, depending on, you know, kind of just enrollment. But there's also really uh, vibrant um, graduate community as well. Yale has a number of graduate schools as well. It is located in New Haven, Connecticut. It's an urban center. But I, you know, having lived in New Haven for um, more than six years, it's uh, it's a city, but it's also a very accessible city. You can get around pretty easily. And so there is definitely a campus to Yale. So if you visit the university, you can definitely walk onto campus. But it also blends into the city as well in different parts. And Yale certainly has um, expanded in different ways. And that partnership with New Haven um, is very, very important to the university. So I think there really is that intentional partnership. And I think students, um, you know, the student life, yes, you can be on campus and do a lot of cool things there, but also New Haven's part of, I think, the Yale experience as well. In terms of the education, um, it is liberal arts-based, I would say that. And another way of saying that is uh, just kind of that foundational education that students will be well-versed uh, in a number of uh, different subject areas. So, earlier I mentioned just that curiosity. So Yale does encourage students to explore. So there are requirements to take courses from different distribution and that sense of someone who is grounded in the humanities as well as the language arts and the arts, um, as well as science and mathematics and just a variety of fields as that foundational um, education. And then they can go deeper um, into whatever field that they may be interested in. Yale does have a research, a very uh, robust research component as well. It does have engineering programs. So it's not just the humanities um, or the sciences, but it is uh, well-rounded in that sense. In terms of um, selectivity, um, it is pretty uh, selective. I think the latest um, statistics we have is that Yale um, had the kind of a 4% um, admit rate this year. And I think that's partly that students are, um, they're most students applying um, uh, ever. So each year, it seems like all these universities and Yale included gets a bit selective. So I think the, in terms of thinking about like, you know, requirements, what should I do to 
get ready for Yale, I would say, is though, though there are not any um, specific, you know, like you have to take this class or you have to do, you know, get the score. Really, the best way to think about, you know, preparation uh, for Yale would be that the student uh, takes the most challenging courses that they can at their high school level. Um, that allows them to really excel um, and be prepared to handle the rigor uh, in Yale. So uh, there are a lot more specific kind of uh, uh, advice that Yale admissions uh, website would offer as well. So those are just some kind of nuts and bolts to, to get us started. Great, thank you so much, Christine. So what else is Yale College perhaps the most known for? How does it stand out from some of the other Ivy League schools? Yeah, I mean, for me, and I think for most people, the big thing is the residential college system, right? It's it's just one of the ways that I don't want to say Yale, say Yale imposes diversity, but let's say strongly encourages diversity, you know, by striving to create a sort of microcosm of the broader university within each residential college. So you don't choose your colleges, right? Yale actually assigns you to one. And they make sure that their students from all over the U.S., from all over the world, of a variety of academic backgrounds and academic interests, so that you're exposed to people who may be like you, the kinds of people that you would you know, find yourself extremely friendly with, and some of the types of people that otherwise you would not be exposed to at all if it weren't for the residential colleges. And they really do create a home for you on campus. You know, you've got your own dining hall, so it's going to be where you take most of your meals, you've got your intramural sports, you know, so that sort of has you competing in some ways against other colleges for your own college. So yeah, it's your home away from home, you know, which I think just makes um, forming community and managing the social transition so much easier. And then it is that space where you're just going to be exposed to so much more, you know, than I think you naturally would have otherwise. Yeah, and I think, um, what Scott mentioned, just this uh, residential college system, it's really that sense of community that bring um, students together. Um, first year students, um, most of them, not all of them, uh, 10 out of 14 colleges, uh, they are on old campus, and that's kind of the quote-unquote freshman quad. So there's an opportunity for students to kind of gather and bond in their traditions from the very from the very beginning of their journey. So I think that really stays throughout. It is the anchoring, I think, community. There's also a lot of advising mentorship that I think also make Yale really, um, that's one of the kind of standout uh, characteristics. So you have your FROGO, your freshman uh, first year counselor um, who will kind of guide you. They're not are just RAs, but they're there to support you. And then for each college, there's the head of the college, there's a dean, um, in addition to all the academic advisors um, and mentors you will have along the way. So I think it's a very supported system for students. They have a lot of resources to go to. So that's another thing I think that, you know, uh, really does stand out. Yeah, I would also just add, um, you know, your access to professors is really, really high at mm -hmm. Yale. One of the things that Yale just sort of prides itself on is being a teaching university, mm -hmm. uh, which I know sounds like isn't every university a teaching university. And yes, but not necessarily by professors. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, by any means that your education at other universities is, is inferior because of that. You know, you'll be taught at, by, at a lot of universities by teaching assistants who are PhD students, sort of future professors themselves, many of whom have a great deal of teaching experience, to be clear. But at Yale, all of Yale's professors must teach undergraduates. So it does just mean that, you know, you don't read about somebody and find out when you get to the university that you can never take a class with them because they don't actually teach. It means that when you read about these uh, 
professors and academics whose work you're so interested in and possibly may even want to get involved in, that there actually is, you know, an opportunity to do that when you get to the university. So that's just the kind of thing that really does kind of uh, color your academic experience, you know, who you're being taught by, what type of access you realistically have, some of them, you know, via your residential college or otherwise. That's really interesting, Scott. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's definitely pretty unique and um, something that especially like such large and um, kind of prestigious institutions might not be able to offer is, is access to to kind of the more um, well-known uh, great academics like that at the undergraduate level. So, so that easily brings me into the next question that I had, which is about academics themselves. Can you tell us a little bit about academics at Yale and, and what sets them apart? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. Listen, I think that uh, one of the things that sets Yale apart is the challenge to get breadth in your education. You know, I mean, and, and this goes beyond sort of the the general characteristic or, or um, characterization of Yale as a liberal arts university, right? That, you know, liberal arts can mean a variety of things and the ways in which uh, a particular university um, encourages you to, to take a you know, breadth in your education, that's part of being a liberal arts institution. But another part of it is using the skills and paradigms you learn from other disciplines, and by other, I mean, you know, other than what you're specializing in, to inform your thought. That's very much, you know, something that Yale is, is going to be encouraging you to do, and helping you draw some conclusions that perhaps may be unique um, in your particular discipline. So I definitely think that's one thing, you know, that sets Yale apart uh, from its siblings, for sure. I'll just add a little bit more to kind of the academic. And I think it really is a place where um, there are just so many resources, so many um, cool classes that you can take. Scott mentioned the accessibility of professors. I mean, the top expert in some field um, teaching, and it's all available. There's funding for students to do research, do projects, um, and it's what you make of it. And I think that, you know, kind of back to the earlier question about what defines a Yale student, I think part of it is someone who is motivated um, and driven, like, uh, and if you take advantage, take the initiative, you don't have to be the most outgoing or talkative type of personality, but someone who is just like, hey, I want to make the most of this education and go out and do something, it's all there. And so I think the academic, um, it's just really amazing. One of the things I was just thinking about is the Bates um, Fellowship where you can apply and, you know, and and propose your own project and you can go to different parts of the world. It's all there. So for, for students to really take advantage of it. So I think that's another uh, just distinguishing um, aspect of the university as well. Yeah, I mean, you you really raise uh, some valid points there, Christine, and it sort of makes me think back on my own experience, particularly as a first generation college student, you know, and I'm not going to say that, that Yale doesn't have a lot more to do in the regard of supporting its first gen students as a lot of universities do. But one, you know, the resources that you mentioned, that made a huge difference for me personally, right, you know, to be able to travel to be able to do research without necessarily needing to earn a salary. Uh, over the course of the summer was huge. You know, it just meant that I could take advantage of things that my own personal financial circumstances would have prevented me from doing. Additionally, you know, I wasn't um, I wasn't coming from an elite private school coming into Yale. And so one of the things that I felt just kind of behind on was learning how to think, you know, and 
you know, as we we're talking about that exposure to professors, that exposure to top academics meant that it wasn't that the only time I was working with an academic was when they were giving me a grade on a paper. I had access to, you know, professors and fellows, as we call them, through the residential college system, where I could just have dinner with somebody with no pressure to think about topics that I was working on. And so that's just a big deal, whether honestly you're first gen or not. But it was one of the things that, um, you know, unfortunately, when you look at statistics for a lot of low income students who are first gen going to a lot of universities, it's a struggle. And I'm not saying that it was not a struggle at Yale, but when you don't have that support in such meaningful and targeted ways, I think that that honestly just makes things potentially way, way harder. I absolutely agreed. And um, just speaking, uh, sharing a little bit personally, too, I come from an immigrant background where my parents did attend a little bit of university, but not really in the U.S., that it is very foreign in some ways as kind of a first year students getting there. But I think the support system um, really is available. The um, the FROCO, your first year counselor, who is someone older, but is kind of your peer in a way to support you. And I definitely uh, the dean of my college um, reached out in different ways to you know, give me opportunities. And they're also just like Scott mentioned, sometimes just dinners hosted by the college or some in other places where you have an opportunity to interact. So even for those who come and feeling like, oh gosh, you know, am I at the right place? And, you know, um, how can I, you know, just feeling a little bit sometimes out of place, <laughs> so to speak, there are really just great resources and um, individuals to come alongside to help you. And there are different types of genes uh, for the different cultural centers. Um, so there are just a lot of support resources. Yes, there's that academic core that is really the in, kind of the intellectual life, but there's so many different ways that come through um, in different venues and different individuals that I think um, makes it a really, you know, hopefully a supportive environment for students coming from all types of, of background. All right. So you've given uh, some detail about what sets Yale apart in terms of academics, but what about student life and uh, extracurricular activities and just kind of campus life? Can you tell us a little bit about that in your experiences, both as students and uh, staff members in the Yale College uh, Office of Admissions? Yeah, I can go ahead and you know give us a start on that. So for one thing, there are so many organizations and clubs at Yale. And I think firstly, you know, it's just important to note how that can really complement your academic experience, you know, that you can be doing activities that are related to what you're studying, that give you special opportunities to further what you're studying, you know, you may be studying economics and business development and join an entrepreneurship club that perhaps even has funding, you know, to seed some of your new ideas. You can be doing intramural sports or club sports because perhaps you're no longer wanting to be a varsity athlete, but you still have some opportunities to continue there. So, I mean, I, I would be doing a disservice, you know, by any means to try to list them all, but just to say that it's a huge defining part of your experience. I mean, to this day, years and years after graduating, you know, when I interact with other alumni, a lot of times one of their first questions is, what did you do? What activities were you participating in? So that, you know, it, it really is something that provides a lot of the defining moments of your career at Yale. So Dwight Hall is our Center for Social Service and Social Justice. It really is kind of a grounding place for a lot of different organizations. But I think it's more reflective, as I mentioned earlier, too, is that just that notion of being part of a community and serving a community. Um, Yale does... Um, 
draw that diverse student from diverse background. And I think a lot of students come knowing how much they've benefited and they wanted to give back um, to whatever community that they're part of. So I really think that is a characteristic. So uh, Dwight Hall kind of it's, I mean, there's so many different organizations, but that's certainly um, one place on campus that's a little bit of a center. But again, it's not the only place. There's just so many different ways um, and so many different organizations and initiatives that students do. But it is a longstanding tradition to have Dwight Hall. And, and I know that you've both uh, talked a little bit about the residential college system and how it's one of the characteristics that sets Yale apart. You told us which college uh, you were in or which residential college you were in, but um, can you just give me like a SparkNotes version again quickly of just what the system is all about and how it impacts undergraduate life on campus? Sure, I can give you sort of the bullets. There are 14 of these colleges. Each one total has something like 400 students, which means that your years is 100 or fewer. And so it's actually very easy to end up knowing almost everybody in your college, you know, uh, it, it's just a small community. And that's largely the point, because you're not taking any courses, or, or maybe there's the odd course, but you're you're taking your courses at Yale, broadly with other people. But primarily, this is your living space. There's some really great activities where speakers of note are brought in, they call those the college teas. Um, I'm not sure if they still serve tea at them. But at any rate, you do get to have, you know, a closer, more intimate conversation with somebody you've probably heard of. Like we said before, you will play intramural sports uh, for your college if that's your thing. And so, yeah, it's just this really fantastic community of, in some cases, like-minded folks, in some cases, very differently-minded folks, but where you're spending a lot of time learning from each other and honestly, just relaxing and having a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say, too, that within um, the residential system, um, Yale's very suite-based in terms of its housing. So I think back to my first year, there were four of us in a quad. Um, I ended up one of my, my actual roommate, um, we roomed together for all four years. That kind of friendship, um, you, it really allows friendship to develop. And there were people on our floor in our entryways that you get to know really, really well. Beyond even just the um, the people that you get to know, there's just, you have the dining hall, um, you have the library, you have a ton of facilities, gym, et cetera, buttery inside a residential college. So you can pretty much live <laughs> there more or less. But of course, the students are encouraged and they do go on about um, and partake in different parts of the university. Scott mentioned uh, the tease. I have a personal story just even thinking about um, my, I forget my first or second year, Robert Vallow, the guy who discovered the Titanic came and spoke at RT and and afterwards, it was just a small crowd. We went up and talked to him and he was recruiting student uh, to go on t- with him to his next expedition. So you get these really cool opportunities. So I think the residential college system definitely facilitates uh, these type of opportunities and experiences for students. Thanks so much to both of you. And thanks for those anecdotes, Christine. It's it's crazy, like the things that stay with you from, uh, from the undergraduate days. But we're going to really switch gears now, um, because I do want to take some time to uh, also plug into your both of your experiences as uh, members of the admission team at Yale. So we're going to talk about the admissions process a little bit, the application, and and um, get into that. Starting with just a, a basic question, what do you think Yale is looking for in applicants? 
Yeah, I know this seems like a basic question. And while there are certainly, you know, some objective things, there's actually some of it that's a little bit fuzzier, um, but I do think has some common threads. So on the objective side, you know, Yale is looking for very, very strong academic students, you know, students who have performed very well at school, gotten, you know, a lot of A's in very rigorous coursework, typically the most rigorous uh, that your school offers. Then they want strong standardized testing if you're submitting it. Um, you know, lately they've been test optional and, and may continue with that into the future. We'll see. But if you are submitting that they will want very strong test scores. And then they want somebody who's a good community member, some of which can be seen in teacher recommendations, the activities you're participating in. You know, your teachers and your counselors are going to let them know both that you're intelligent, but how do you participate in discussions? Do you, you know, shut people down because you're arrogant or do you encourage strong thoughts from your peers? You know, do you do you open up the floor to other people to debate and even disagree with you? You know, that that just shows a sign of intellectual curiosity and a willingness to grow. But on the fuzzier side, you know, I'll just come back to that idea of insight because that's not really something that can be manufactured. You know, I find that it's the result of lots of time spent questioning your world, gaining knowledge that will help you better understand your world and your place in it. And so Yale is looking for students who are willing to do that. You know, certainly not students who have figured it all out. You know, you're only 17. But, you know, Yale just wants to see that you've embarked on that process, that you've challenged yourself, and that you're excited for a lot more. So when it comes to your essays, you know, your aim is, is, you know, certainly to be as intellectual as you are, but also be yourself. Impress them with the person because you're competing against a lot of people who will have similar accolades to you. You know, I mean, I know that perhaps in your town, you're the debating champion, but guess what? You're going to be applying up against 5,000 debating champions from their town. And so I'm not saying that that's not impressive or important in its way, but talk to, talk to Yale about why you did debate, the ways in which it's helping you understand your world, make sense of the complexity of life. So take them on that journey with you, essentially is what I'm saying. When you become a three-dimensional person, you're memorable, Yale understands why you do what you do, what matters to you. And again, that helps you to, um, to demonstrate to them that you're going to come to campus and just be so excited for the, the many, many opportunities that we've already discussed that they have. How does a student even apply to Yale? Which, which applications does Yale participate in? What are the requirements? What kind of application options are there? So I think for students um, applying to Yale, uh, first of all, there's just uh, very detailed, thorough information on the admissions website. But um, probably most students will use the common application, which is kind of the primary application platform system for students applying to college in the U.S. and Yale's on that. In terms of, um, you know, just filling out the application itself and all the requirements um, for timeline, Yale does offer uh, single choice early action, which is an earlier deadline um, of November 1st, typically. Um, and it is single choice, so it's a little restricted. So students who are applying to Yale early um, are really just applying to Yale early, um, as well as they do have an opportunity if they would like to apply to public universities in their early admissions round as well. But it is not compatible with early um, application to um, private universities. And then Yale has its regular decision round, um, which uh, was a deadline in early January that students um, can uh, apply for, if that makes sense for them as well. So there's an early round and there's a regular round um, for the application. Application process. 
And does anything stand out about Yale's application requirements, uh, perhaps among its peers or especially within the last couple of years and and the changing um, requirements for admission? The Yale um, application has a supplement, um, like most university, um, where in addition to if you're using um, a platform like the Common App, where there are these core sections, um, there are additional uh, Yale-specific questions that students need to um, answer as well. Some of them are just questions you can check a box, click a dial. Uh, Yale does include um, additional short responses um, as well as essays for students um, to work on um, as well. And um, and I think it's really important, actually Yale admission office has said that too, is to really look at the prompt. They're very intentional in how they phrased these questions and what they were hoping that students would provide. Not that they're looking for any um, type of a specific response, but they're phrased in ways to, um, they're thoughtfully phrased. So I think just paying attention to the wording of it is really, really important. And that's a general piece of advice we would give all, to all students is look at the question carefully and try to understand. And just because questions may sound similar, doesn't mean that they're looking for the same thing. And then thoughtfully kind of address that. This is not a rehash of a student's resume, but really to share something thoughtful and insightful. Those two words were used uh, when I worked in an admissions office that I would say that are still the qualities that Yale admissions is looking for, that students are thoughtfully responding to what Yale is asking, and they're being reflective, they're being personal. Scott mentioned being yourself, being that genuine voice um, is really, really important. And think of it as different opportunities um, to share different facets to who you are. They're, yes, kind of a, the, the big essay, the main essay for the common app personal statement, but these supplemental responses are also opportunity for students to share different sides to who they are like pieces in a mosaic. Um, all together, they present a fuller picture of the student. So I would also just recommend students to take some time to think about um, the different components of who they are, their intellectual side, their personal side, their funny side, their serious side, their creative side, whatever it may be that they want to share with the admissions committee. Thanks so much, Christine. I think um, talking about the the content of the essays and how students approach them um, genuinely is really, really important. Before moving on, I do just want to make sure that we address testing a little bit more directly. I know we've mentioned it, uh, but because most American colleges and universities are still test optional, I think it's important to acknowledge. So where does Yale land um, in this spectrum, let's say between a place like MIT, which has um, since become test required again, and a place like Columbia University that has has made um, kind of a big decision to uh, remain test optional long term. I mean, just briefly, I'll just make one comment that, you know, Yale has not committed to the long term of being test optional. So if you're applying this year, you can say for sure that they are. But, you know, if you're a 10th grader, you know, you can't be sure that that's going to be the case by the time you apply. And so preparing for your standardized testing at this point, at least, I do think is a wise thing to do because you never know if it's going to to be required for you by the time you get there. And I would say that data would suggest coming out of Yale University, and this is um, really public information too for other universities as well, is that there's still a pretty high percentage of admitted first-year students who are submitting test scores. So I think the latest round of public data out there um, suggests that Yale, um, for Yale specifically, 59% of 
first year class submitted SAT score and 39 submitted ACT score. So I think that test scores are still very much part of the Yale process. Of course, um, for those who are test optional, um, they're well read in good faith, like that that's not part of your uh, profile. And you have other great data points, academic data points that you can um, highlight. Um, the transcript courses, other um, academic accomplishments, outcomes, academic recommendation, etc. So it's not required, and that's intentional, of course, so that all students would have the opportunity to apply and, and have a fair uh, read in the admissions process as well. So um, it's always good to do the research. I always suggest students to do the research, a lot of data out there, a lot of data put together by Yale or other universities that a student may be looking at. So they should, you know, do the research and understand kind of just the general landscape. Amazing. Thank you. And And in terms of doing research, uh, prospective students should absolutely be doing that as part of their process, right? But something else that students, that prospective students are often considering is how to show demonstrated interest to perhaps further engage with, with universities that they're applying to. So how does uh, Yale, does Yale consider demonstrated interest? And if so, um, what are some ways that students can uh, demonstrate that interest? I mean, I think uh, Yale doesn't track demonstrated interest. Some other universities may. So uh, certainly, I think, you know, uh, emailing admission officer or visiting campus is a must by no means um, for Yale. But I do think it's helpful for students to understand why um, they want to apply to Yale. In fact, that is uh, one of the supplemental essay questions for Yale. Um, and students have to address that. So however students can research and understand that Yale is a good fit for them, and it doesn't mean that you need to physically visit a campus and that's not accessible to a lot of students. So if you can research online or you know um, attend virtual opportunities to understand that, I think that is um, a good quality to demonstrate to Yale that I understand this is, you know, a student at the school that's a good fit for me. Scott and I talked about, you know, certain things that are what we think might be, um, you know, characteristic that may distinguish Yale a little bit from the other universities. So that's helpful for students to kind of do their research and understand what makes Yale different compared to University Y or, you know, College X and to, um, to demonstrate that. So there is a little portion of that in the application where students can speak up and say, hey, I think, you know, Yale is a good fit for me because of this and that, and to to demonstrate that they have that understanding and it is a good fit for them. Great. And so I have one final question with, with you two experts that I've had the pleasure to spend some time with, not only uh, former admissions officers at Yale, but current Ivy Wise counselors and Yale alums. So my final question is, what should a student who considers Yale their absolute number one choice be thinking about and doing as they're preparing to apply to Yale? This is general advice for a lot of schools, but because Yale asked the question, I think it's important. You'll note that they asked the question in very short format because they're expecting you to have a pretty crystal clear idea that you can summarize very easily. And I do remember around the committee table very, very often when a student sounded good and the admissions committee more or less liked them, that question often became the deciding factor. Because especially at schools like Yale, a lot of students are applying for the prestige and not because they really understand what Yale offers or have made the link between what Yale offers and what they want to do. You know, how does Yale uniquely equip you for the pathway that you see yourself on? So honestly, I think that 
that's one of the most important things that you can be thinking about is why is Yale a fit for me? Not just because Yale's great and because it has a lot of resources, but how am I going to employ those resources to accomplish my goals? I, I think I understand, and I certainly myself experience. You always had that first choice, um, but as a counselor, I would always say that um, there are so many great colleges and universities. That's one of the um, great things that we have in our higher education system is to also research um, and thoroughly investigate other options and to build that balanced college list. Yes, you may have um, a school that you really, really like, but there are so many other schools and not to just be so laser focused on one single school uh, to the neglect of um, being able to research well other good fit colleges and universities and to build a list um, that would enable a student to have um, ultimately a successful process um, applying to to college. Thank you so much for your insight, both of you, Scott and Christine. So this really just does about wrap up the episode of Just Admit It. In our next episode, we're going to discuss letters of recommendation. So if you have any questions about who to ask for recommendation letters or why these letters are important, please email us at podcast at ivywise.com so that we can address your questions in our upcoming episode. Also, don't forget to catch up on all of our previous episodes on the Just Admit It page and check out the IvyWise knowledge base for more college prep resources. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram for more college admission tips at follow IvyWise. Thanks so much for tuning in to Just Admit It, everyone. And thank you so much, Christine and Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Yeah, thanks for having us, Tasha. From IvyWise, I'm your host, Tasha, and this has been Just Admit It. See you next time.